You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good morning. I hope that your week has been good. I have a few announcements that I want to share with you before we get started here. The first is that, from what I've been told, the giving link on our webpage. Uh, that we're having issues with that. If you have been trying to give online and have been unsuccessful, just try tomorrow and we'll figure it out. Um, so, and it may already be fixed, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, the other thing that I'm really excited to announce, if you're a regular attender of Meadowbrook and we have your email, you received an email this Wednesday. Uh, if you watch the live stream announcement, uh, I mentioned it in the live stream announcement as well that we, uh, uh, the elders approved and, and we uh, have basically decided that we are going to give uh, 252 gift cards to Sanford's uh, uh, Grub and Pub uh, for $50 each to our first responders. So every first responder, that is all the sworn in officers in our police department, uh, those who who are EMTs driving ambulances, uh, those who are on staff at Cheyenne um, Fire and Rescue, uh, will all be getting a gift card from Meadowbrook Church as a way of just thanking, thanking our first responders. Uh, and, and so you can be praying about that, praying that uh, God will use that to not only encourage our first responders, but for us to be able to build a bridge into our community in a way that maybe we have not had uh, a bridge before like that. So uh, be praying for that. I will be hand-delivering uh, each of those gift cards with some of the staff and some others uh, this this week. If you want to contribute to that, if that's something that excites you and you want to be a part of that, uh, we uh, by all means invite you to do that. There will be a link uh, or to where you can actually, or I don't know if it's a link, but you'll, you'll be able to give specifically to that. Uh, it will be under the caption, Meadowbrook Gives. So if that's of interest to you, I would love for you to participate in that. All right, so let's uh, get into the scriptures together. We're looking at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible in your home, which I suspect that you do, uh, you'll want to grab it now and uh, read along. We're going to look at the first 14 verses. And if you could stand in your living room, uh, or wherever you're gathered, in your bedroom, uh, outside, uh, if you're in your car, um, well, just stay in your car. Uh, but uh, stand in it to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning with verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life? For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. 
we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will no longer have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. I receive a, you may be seated. I receive a, a little cartoon caption from Dan, uh, you know, who's on staff. He, pro, he preached last week. Dan Nelson that uh, gave me a laugh. It was the caption of this. And I wish I thought enough to post, to, to have it on the screen here, but I, I, I didn't think that far enough ahead. But it's a caption of a guy with his family sitting in church and wishing that he were back home because if he were home, he could mute or fast forward the, uh, the sermon. Um, do not mute <laughs> the sermon today. Uh, I really believe that God, God is doing something in your heart. He's doing something in my heart. I, he's doing something in the life of Meadowbrook Church but not just Meadowbrook Church, the church all throughout Cheyenne, Colorado, this nation, and in our world. Uh, the reality is, is that many people have died, and you're well aware of that. Over, I think today the number was 53,000 deaths were linked to COVID-19. Now regardless if you think this is some kind of scheme or if the numbers are inflated or not infl or, or, or not do not represent all those who have died, uh, the point is many people have died. And the reality is, is that many people are, are afraid. And I believe God has brought us in this, into this season for a unique purpose. And I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, I've shared it in my e-letters, uh, I, I just I, I feel like I have to just for the sake of redundancy I just got to keep repeating it that God God wants to do something with us in our lives that will leave us changed forever and that's what I've been praying this week for you on April sixth I never thought I'd quote Hulk Hogan but um, but on April sixth uh, he posted something on his Instagram. That shocked many, and his comments drew praise from some and criticism from others. I think one of his fans said, I'm no longer a fan, <laughs> after he read this uh, Instagram statement from Hulk Hogan, who his real name is not Hulk Hogan, if those, for those of you who are wondering. It's Terry. But uh, anyway, he said this, In three short months, just like God did with the plagues of Egypt, he has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down civic centers. You want to worship actors? I will shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me? I will make it so that you can't go to church. And then he quoted 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then this is what, I don't think people got aggravated over that statement. What they got aggravated over, what angered some, was what he said next. Maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in this world that really matters, Jesus. Now, I don't know. I didn't know that Hulk Hogan was a Christian. Um, I, I'm still not certain. I don't know a whole lot about his spiritual life. But this did give me some pause. This is not the first time that I heard somebody quote 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 as attributing it to maybe some form of judgment from God uh, as, you know, as we deal with this pandemic, you know, that, that, that COVID-19 is a form of judgment. I, I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be so bold to say that COVID-19 is judgment from God. What I do know is that it didn't take God by surprise. And, uh, and what I also know is that Second Chronicles chapter 7 was not written to America. It was written to Israel as a nation. Israel had had a track record of walking away from God, turning her back on God. And Solomon had just completed the temple, which would be the center of worship for all of Israel. A lot of Energy and time and money went into that temple. And after its completion with its dedication, God announced to the people, verse 14, uh, earlier on he said, and this is, this is what has caused some to, to wonder if, if, if Second Chronicles chapter 7 is for us today. Verse 13, which precedes that, if my people will humble themselves, verse says this, in verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves you know, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I, I don't know. So what I want to do is I just, to set up Romans chapter 6, because I do think Romans chapter 6 speaks into 2 Chronicles chapter 7, speaks into our current situation today, speaks into our lives. I want to highlight four things to consider before we unpack Romans 6, and that is what we see in 2 Chronicles regarding repentance. There are four things to, to turning from our wicked ways. One is humility. That's the first step to humbling yourself is by subduing your pride and submitting to the will of God for your life. And that's relevant for today. That as we're shut up in our homes, we should be examining our hearts, humbling ourselves, subduing our pride and submitting to the, whatever the will of God is for your life or for my life. Secondly, prayer. To prayerfully acknowledge your sin and to plead for God's mercy. That's the whole point of Second Chronicles chapter 7. To seek, that's the third step, and that is to humbly and prayerfully pursue God as the only hope for your deliverance and for my deliverance. 
And then finally, turn. That's the final step. To turn from your sin by rejecting it for the purpose of satisfying yourself in God alone. All of grace, all the love of God, all of the mercy of God that we have received from him is all because of God. And in this passage, uh, in Romans chapter 6, the, the, the first thing that we should realize is that COVID-19 is not the greatest threat that we face today. That COVID-19 is, is, is a, a virus, it's serious, it's a pandemic. Sure, lots of people have died, but the greatest threat facing us today is our own sin. Is our own sin. Um, you know, what was true for Israel is that the spiritual climate of Israel was often a reflection of the spiritual climate of her leaders and her spiritual leaders. I heard David Platt give a message last week. I was at a an online streaming conference. I was supposed to be in Louisville, Kentucky last week, and I, I wasn't. I was at home listening to these messages. One of them was delivered by David Platt, and he spoke specifically to pastors, and he said, you know, I wonder if the spiritual condition or the unhealth of many of America's churches are not due to the spiritual unhealth of her pastors. And it caused me to really reflect upon my own heart. I, um, I mean, we're in America, we've grown comfortable. Like we show up to church and we think we've done our duty. That somehow we've pleased God by coming and filling a seat, listening to some scripture, singing some songs. And, you know, and, and yet we continue in our sin. And this is the part where you're tempted to mute, <laughs> mute the message. Don't. <laughs> um, I just want to unpack Romans 6 and see what it says to you and how it speaks to my own heart. And I, I, I think it does that in three ways. One is, is that Jesus died for our justification. The reality is, is that we were forgiven. Our sins were forgiven to live in a COVID-19 world. Whatever context we find ourselves in, we were forgiven to be sent on mission. And here we find ourselves in a COVID-19 world, what does that mean for us today? Uh, and the first thing that we learn in this passage is that Jesus died for our justification. In Romans 5, which we looked at uh, Good Friday, in the Good Friday message that I preached, we looked at Romans chapter 5 a little bit. In Romans 5, Paul explained how all of us were born helpless in our sin and that it was Jesus who died in our place to reconcile us to God. You know, in verses 6 through 8 of chapter 5, we read, For while we were still weak, at the right time God died for the ungodly, for one, or for Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then if you read through chapter 5, it's just saturated with all that God has done, done on our behalf for our sins, you know, how, we can be, how our sins could be forgiven, and, and all that went into that. And I just want to highlight just four verses. I'm just going to read them, and I want you to read them with me in your living room, bedroom, wherever it is that you find yourself. 
I want you to read these verses with me, beginning with verse 10, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Amen, right? I mean, that's gospel all over those, those words. And then verse 15, but the, the free gift, the free gift of salvation is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And in verse 17, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who received the abundance of grace and the free gift of, the, of righteousness reign in the life through that one man, Jesus Christ. And then finally, verse 19, For as by the one man's disobedience, the many, that's you, that's me, the many were made you know, sinners, so by the one man's obedience, what Jesus did on the cross, uh, the many will be made righteous. That's us. I mean, that's grace. That's grace. We are over, like, like God has overwhelmed us with his grace through the death of his son and the resurrection of his, of his son on the third day. He has lavished his love and his grace upon us. And, and we should all celebrate that and praise God for that. But Paul said there's a danger, and that danger in responding to that grace is found in chapter 6, verse 1, where he says, uh, you know, what, what shall we say then? You know, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Like, should we just, you know, should we just live our lives the way we previously lived them because what Jesus did on the cross was enough? And he says, by no means. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. He says, I'm reminded of the hymn written by Julia Johnston. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace that is greater than all our sin. But sometimes the temptation for us is to live this way. I can sin, sin, and continue in my sin because the grace of God covers all my sin. And Paul says that, that, is, that is an inappropriate response, that if, you've truly, if you truly understood grace, you would not respond that way. If you truly understood what Jesus did for you on the cross, you would not respond that way. He goes on to say in verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He's not talking about water baptism here. You know, water baptism, which I hope one day soon we'll be able to have a baptism service. But water baptism is a metaphor, it's a picture of something that has happened to you spiritually and positionally. Like you, you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, and all of your sins, past, present, and future, have been a, a paid for. The, the biblical word is atoned for. All of your adultery, all of your lying, all of your cheating... All of those dark things that you dare not share with your spouse, your kids, your friends, or whatever it is that's going on in, in, in the deep closets of your, your, your mind and, and your heart, Jesus became that on the cross. 
And, and Paul said, how, how could you even think to, to, to continue in your sin as, as a way of just making grace you know, overflow? You have all the grace you could ever need. And you think about it. You're the reason that Jesus had chunks of flesh torn out of his back when he was scorched before he went to the cross. That you are the reason that a crown of thorns was, was thrust and forced upon his brow. That you are the reason that he was mocked and spit upon. That you are the reason he carried his cross to the place called the skull, Golgotha. You are the reason behind every hammer blow, right? That fastened him to the cross. And without you and for me, he was nailed to the cross. And with every blow of that hammer, he was thinking of the justice and glory of God, and he was thinking about us. You are the reason. I am the reason his cross was raised up so that he could die. And Paul said, how could you think? How could you think in such a way to just continue in your sin because grace covers it all? Jesus died so that we can now walk in newness of life. He goes on to say, your, your identity is now found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And, and the hold that, that sin had upon your life, that, that the power of sin, the bondage of sin has been broken through the cross of Jesus and through his resurrection. It's been broken. It no longer has the power over your life that it used to have if you are a Christian. Does it still have its lingering effects? Well, yes, absolutely. That's Romans chapter 7. We'll talk about that next week. You know, there, we still deal with the lingering effects, but its power has been broken. It's been declawed. It's been defanged in your life and in my life. There's this phrase that's used of the Christian over 70 times in the New Testament, and that phrase is, phrase is just two words. In Christ. In Christ. That's who you are. You are in Christ. And because you're in Christ, you are no longer dead to you're no longer dead in your sins and trespasses, but you are alive with Christ. You're alive with him. In verse 5, uh, we're told that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we stand justified before a holy God. And verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Which is awesome. Right? It's awesome. That, that, that's an awesome reality. That our sins are forgiven. And, and, and so spiritually... We have died with Christ, and the, the next thing he, Paul's going to tell us in verse 6 is that we're alive in Christ now, that we're, al we're alive in him. He says in verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you hear that? Like for those of you who are watching right now and you feel like, if you're a Christian and you feel like there is no escape from your sin, you have bought into a lie. You have bought into a lie. We are promised through the resurrection of Jesus that, that sin no longer, no longer has power over you. It doesn't mean that we will not 
continue, in, continue to sin. But I mean, anybody who knows me well enough knows that that's certainly not true in my life. Sin still has its lingering effects in my life, but to keep going back to it, like a dog that, 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 that returns to, to its vomit, makes no sense, Paul said. Jesus rose for our liberation. That's the second point. He rose for our liberation. One theologian said this. I know it's a big word, but man, just try to wrap your mind around this. He said it's an ontological contradiction to continue living in sin. Meaning it goes against our new nature. If you are alive in Jesus, then the, our nature is that we will be put off by, repulsed by our own sin. I mean, how many of you feel that? Like I do. Like, it, 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 here's a evidence that you belong to Jesus. You ready? Every time you sin, you're bothered by your sin. It doesn't mean you're going to stop sinning. There's some sins in your life, I know there's, some, there's sins in my life, that will be a lifelong battle. But, um, but if you're not turned off by it, if you're not put off by it, if you're not repulsed by it, if you're not bothered by it, then maybe you're not in Christ. Maybe you never truly understood the grace of God that was made available to you through the person and work of his son. The Christian has been liberated from the tyranny of sin and death. This is why, listen, this is why for the Christian, uh, you, you don't have to be petrified of COVID-19 because even though, and I've said this before, even though COVID-19 may take your life, it hasn't really taken much from you. Like that's why Jesus said, even though they kill you, not a hair on your head will perish. The, the, the Christian is described, every time a Christian dies, and we read about in the New Testament, do you know how that Christian is described? That Christian is described as having fallen asleep. Do you want to know why? Because for the Christian who, who has breathed his or her last breath never has, really, has never really died. For us, there's a resurrection. And the same is true when it comes to sin. We were made alive in Jesus. I heard a story about a dad, and I shared this story probably several months ago. I want to share it again. Uh, Tony Evans shared this story, and it was just so powerful. Uh, shared a story about a dad who was driving in the car. His little boy was sitting in, in, you know, behind him in the car, and the little boy started crying in a panic. Daddy, daddy, there's a bee, there's a bee. Daddy, daddy, there's a bee. And as the bee was flying around the car, the dad didn't lose his cool. He didn't wig out. Uh, maybe some of you have done that. Um, but he grabbed the bee. He was able to grab the bee in his hand, and he held it there for several seconds. And then he let it go. And the bee started flying around in the car again. And the little boy said, Daddy, Daddy, why did you let go of the bee? The bee's going to get me. He's going to get me. And the dad said, Son, that bee only had one stinger. And, and when I held that bee in my hand, I took that stinger. All that bee is doing right now is just making a lot of noise. And the same is true for the Christian. COVID-19 is just making a lot of noise. Should we be wise about how we live, out, live our lives? Absolutely. Should we be discerning? Yes. Should we take precautions for the love of our brothers and sisters and our neighbors? Yes. But should we 
curl up in the fetal position because we're just afraid? Absolutely not. There's a greater danger, and that greater danger is sin. It's the, the enslaving effects of sin, not because it has power over our lives, but because, and I know this is true for some of you, you have yielded power over or lordship over to certain sins in your life. When Jesus went to the cross, he reached out and he caught the stinger of death so that it can no longer harm us. And when he rose on the third day, he also, he also defanged and declawed the power of sin over our lives. In verses 10 through 11, it says, For the death Jesus died, he died to sin. He died to sin. Once for all. I mean, if you're looking in your Bibles, just once for all. He did that once for all. Why did he do it once for all? Because he didn't need to do it again. That's why I've said that the Bible teaches, listen, the Bible teaches that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate you from the love of God. If you truly understood the grace of God and placed your faith and trust in Jesus, and, and it wasn't just a head thing, but also it was something you really believed, then the Bible says there is no condemnation for you, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, not even your own hand. But it is possible, like you, so what I'm saying, just so to be clear, you cannot lose your salvation. You cannot forfeit your salvation. You cannot walk away from God if you've truly been saved in a permanent way. That for the person who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus, that on the day you breathe your last breath, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt you will stand in the presence of God, not as a judge, and he will not be ju your judge, but he, you will stand before him as your father. He will be your f heavenly father. But it is possible for some of you who are watching right now that you've never truly understood grace. You have come to church, you've read your Bible, you have prayed prayers, you, you, you've done some religious things, but there's a possibility that you never, never really experienced uh, salvation. And the evidence of that, listen, the evidence of that is whether or not you genuinely and truly love God and as a result of loving God, hate your sin. Jesus died, or he rose for our liberation. Jesus rose for our liberation. And finally, Jesus reigns in us for our transformation. You want to know one of the greatest needs right now that Cheyenne needs to be able to see? He needs to see people like you and people like me who are walking uh, and living in this city as though there are resurrected people who are walking amongst the dead. Because the rest of the city of Cheyenne, uh, people are spiritually dead. And then if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you are alive in Christ. You are one who has been resurrected spiritually. And what this city needs is they need to be able to see people who are living, walking through their streets, living in their neighborhoods, who have been made alive in Jesus. Jesus reigns in us for our transformation. Uh, in in uh, this passage, in verse 13, is the only command, it's an imperative, if you, if, for those of you who like grammar, it's an imperative, it's a command in verse 13, and it says this, do not, do not, don't you dare present 
your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. In the in verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Like brothers and sisters, you have the ability when you're sitting in front of the computer screen tempted to look at pornography to say no. Do not present your members to sin as instruments. For those of you who are living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you have the ability to say enough and leave that situation. For those of you who are sleeping around, you have the ability, if you're a Christian, to say no more. If you're wondering what Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 has to say to you and to me, saying, if my people will humble themselves and seek me and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. Cheyenne needs to see the church alive. Not the church that gives the appearance of life, but is really dead. And like I said before, just so you understand, this does not mean that Christians cannot sin. It just means that sin no longer has the domineering power over the life of a Christian that it once had. It has no authority over your life to make you obey its passions. You have been set free. There's a story I heard of uh, about St. Augustine. Uh, he's one of our early church fathers. He uh, just a, guy, a man who loved Jesus, was imperfect, um, but loved Jesus. Before he became a Christian, uh, he had what one of my mentors would describe as a man who had a problem with the skirts. He was a womanizer, and he slept around. Uh, he was never married, but the woman that, uh, he lived with a woman for, I think, this one woman for about 13 years before he became a Christian. And even while living with her, had other mistresses that he slept around with. And uh, then he became a Christian. He gave his life to Jesus and believed the gospel for the first time in his life, and God changed him. It wasn't an overnight change. It was a progressive change. It was a, st it was a steady change. Uh, he experienced what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, that he was now dead to sin. It didn't mean that he didn't experience the lingering effects of sin. One day he was on a walk, and uh, as a Christian, on a walk, and he encountered one of his former mistresses who was very attractive, that he was attracted to, and, uh, and she said to him, Hey, Augustine, it is, it is I. It's me. Come, let's, let's go. Let's, let's lie together. And what that meant was, let's spend two, three, four days, a week, two weeks, who knows? Like the good old days. And Augustine responded. He said, thank you very much. I'm glad to see you. But uh, no thank you. And he turned around to walk the other way. Which is always good. When you're tempted to sin, go the other direction. Like, turn your back. Don't sit there and stare at the computer screen thinking, is this a good decision or not? Um, it's bad. And so Augustine knew that to linger there and have a conversation with this lady would be bad. So 
He turned the other way and started walking away. You know, the mistress, this woman, you know, thought, well, maybe he didn't recognize me. And she said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I, it is I. And Augustine turned around and he smiled. He said, yeah, I know. I know. I know who you are. But it is not I. What did he mean by that? What he meant was, I'm, cha- I'm a changed man. I'm not, I'm no longer a dead man walking. I'm alive in Jesus. My life has changed. And the things that I thought I needed in my life, the, the, the comforts of, 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 of females, you know, women, uh, the, the, to be uh, applauded and to be, and, and to, you know, to birth and satisfaction have before I became a Christian that I thought gave me value and worth and satisfaction. I've learned that all it did for me was give me death. What I needed was Jesus, and I have all that I need. I have all that I need. And the question I ask you, brothers and sisters, it's the question I ask myself, is who are you? Who are you? And why do you linger? Why have you not said no to your mistress? To your sin? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? No. (laughs) No way. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We have life now, and that life is found in Jesus. And so the question that, as we think about the relevance of 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, the questions we should be asking ourselves, me included, is what sin or sins are you holding on to that Jesus died for, that Jesus became in your place? What is the mistress in your life that you up, up to this present time have refused to say no to? You who claim to be alive in Jesus, why is it that you're still living for sin. I don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit does. And I guess I'm sensing that he's speaking into your heart right now and he's telling you enough, enough, enough. Humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. That's the relevance of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Can you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in those words? Humble yourself. Pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. You know, it's possible that you're watching right now and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And the reality is your problem is a completely different problem. That your problem is that you're still dead in your sins and you need to be reconciled to a God that you've offended with your sin and, and, and a God who loves you and loves you so much that he put his son on a cross in your place for your sins. And those words in Second Chronicles chapter 7 have a slightly different meaning. Humble yourself. Understand that you can't do enough to earn your way to heaven. Pray, come to me. Jesus said, all who come to me who are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
Pray to me and seek my face and know that in me you can find your redemption. In me you can find life. And only in me will you find your satisfaction. You will find satisfaction in no one else or no other thing but in the God who who you were made to worship. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's why joy has uh, seems temporary. That's why for you who've not placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that's why satisfaction for you seems to be a fleeting experience. You were made for a relationship with God. Humble yourself and pray and seek my face, God says, and turn from your wicked ways. And how do you do that? Well, later on in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the verse says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that is Jesus, will be saved. If there has ever been a time to turn from our sins, to turn from your sins, for me to turn from my sins, to humble ourselves before the living God, today is that day. And I think COVID-19, the coronavirus, is giving us an opportunity to just step back and reevaluate our hearts and our lives And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to his church, enough, enough. If you want to see this city turned upside down, then it begins with you. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day that you can start anew. If you're not a Christian, the Bible, like I said already, the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, I'm pleading with you enough. Turn from whatever it is that you've been saying yes to, that God's been saying no, don't do it. Turn from it. I want to see Cheyenne turned upside down for the glory of God and for the good of, of our nation and, and, and our city. But if that's going to happen, it needs to first happen in the life of his people. And that's what I've been praying for. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace that, is, that you've made available to us through your son, For those who do not know you because they do not know your son, God, I pray that before the end of the day, day, that that person will give his or her life to you. My guess is that most of those who are watching today are my brothers and sisters. So God, I pray that we will humble ourselves as your people. That in these moments, when this live stream is over, we will seek your face and in seeking your face we will cry out to you that we will get over ourselves and find our satisfaction and joy in you and you only and we will say no to whoever that mistress is or whatever that mistress is in our lives that we that you your spirit has been telling us to say no to and that we will repent by turning from our wicked ways. And we will be the people you've called us to be, a holy people, 
a holy people bought with the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus, a people that you have sent on mission to Cheyenne and to any community. Uh, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Look forward uh, to having you join us next week. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.